Well, let's get this thing over with. Come on, guys. We got to do it. It's B-Shape Daily, not B-Shape Every Other Daily, or B-Shape Only When They Win. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. And boy, was that a disappointing Cardinals loss on Wednesday night. That, and I, and I saw a few comments that said, man, it seems like every time one of these games happened, I say this was the worst loss of the season. And Cardinals fans had that sentiment again tonight in what really may have been the worst loss of the season. I remember that one against the Cubs was pretty bleak. But given the circumstances of the Cardinals going on the run they did over the last nine games leading into this series to win eight out of nine, to come in riding hot on a six-game win streak, then you lose the way they do on Tuesday. Adam Wainwright on the hill. Cardinals get shut out to nothing. Corbin Burns was Corbin Burns. Those kinds of games are going to happen. But then you turn the page to the next night where you get Jack Flaherty back at Bush Stadium for the first time in nearly three months. Like, it was not even just two months because his last couple of starts before the injured list, he was pitching on the road. And so it was darn near three months to the day since Jack Flaherty had pitched at Bush Stadium. And that is going to be relevant to tonight's discussion because that was sort of the leadoff question that I asked him about, being back at Bush in front of the home crowd and making his way back from injury. And Jack Flaherty took that question in a direction that maybe I did not necessarily anticipate. We're going to talk all about it. If you heard the postgame show, you heard his response. You may not have heard my question aired on the postgame show on Bally, but I am going to try to include the portion at least that was uploaded to the Cardinals Press Box website for the media usage of my question. It kind of cuts off the beginning of it, but you'll get to hear what I was trying to ask him and the way he responded to it. And I'll talk about kind of the ins and outs of the way that works on Zoom, but Jack Flaherty definitely displeased with what he saw tonight from the the Bush Stadium crowd. I don't think there's any other way to put it, and you'll hear his words as we get into it here in a little bit. But the loss itself, brutal loss for the Cardinals on Wednesday. You get a good outing from Jack Flaherty, which you needed. You get a little bit of run support at least early on because like we talked about coming into the series it was going to be an uphill battle when you face these brewers the starters that they can throw at you last night it was corbin burns on tuesday wednesday freddie peralta who has come on as a, a Cy Young candidate of his own the guy is a machine has racked up a lot of strikeouts this year era in the low twos and then it'll be brandon woodruff on thursday and so we knew coming into the series it was going to be difficult tuesday proved that and then Wednesday, the Cardinals came out with a good approach. They were able to get to Freddie Peralta early in this game. And unfortunately for Peralta, he only pitched two innings in this game. And it wasn't because the Cardinals were beating him up all over the yard, though they did get a little bit of run support off of him that they were allowed to uh, deliver to Jack Flaherty, scoring three runs in the first two innings. But it was due to an injury. Shoulder discomfort for Freddie Peralta, which is no good for my fantasy team. I actually had both... Jack Flaherty and Freddie Peralta starting on the same roster tonight for one of my squads. But it didn't end up too great for Peralta because he was only able to go two innings. But part of that might have been due to the injury. The Cardinals, though, they got to you know give him credit for what they were able to accomplish against him. Five hits in the first three innings, scoring three runs, were able to keep the line moving and get some damage done against a really quality starting pitcher. It remains to be seen uh, what the injury status will be for him. But again, the Cardinals just took advantage of the opportunities that they had in those first couple of innings. Things were going really well. Jack Flaherty, you know, he he was sharp out of the gate. 
for for the way that Jack Flaherty talked about his pitching performance tonight, he did not sound like a guy who pitched six innings, quality start, only allowing two runs on four hits and one walk. It's just five base runners. The guy struck out eight. However, two runs coming off of solo homers. Jack referenced later on in the Zoom interview to my next question that I asked him about just how he felt tonight. He was not too enthusiastic about his own performance, but I think those two homers really wore on him a little bit. He talked about it being more of a grind as he got into the middle innings. Jack ends up at 92 pitches tonight, gets through six innings, and was able to come back after the fourth, after the fifth, where he gave up homers in each of those innings, did throw a scoreless sixth. So I think for where he was and where he is in his return, uh, and I say return, it's not that he's even still thinking about that oblique situation. It's all in the past now, and he's perfectly healthy and, and strong on the mound. But I do think there's some element to the Cardinals wanting to keep his pitch count a little bit in control. So at 92, would you maybe stretch him to a seventh inning and, and get him over 100 if it were different circumstances, if it weren't just his second start back from the injured list? I think that's possible. But for where the Cardinals were in the game, no reason to necessarily push him. You've got rested the quality top arms out of your bullpen because those guys did not have to throw yesterday, even though the Cardinals only lost that game 2-0. It was close the whole while, but they were able to use guys like McFarland, like Garcia, and Andrew Miller to be able to keep things close. So what that meant was tonight, the trio was there and ready to be used. Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes, unfortunately, and we'll get into this as well, as well as some interesting decision-making that caught the attention of Twitter, and I, I, you know, maybe I contributed to it to some extent because of the fact that I called my shot ahead of time and said, you know, I'm always a guy who you're going to talk about Mike Schilt, you're going to talk about managing, you know, there's going to be the second guessing on Twitter. I want to be the guy that first guesses. I don't want to rip the manager for something if I wasn't willing to call out the decision in the moment and then let the chips fall where they may. But tonight, I did call my shot on it. It, it didn't work out for the Cardinals, and I, I still maintain that I think the, the route I would have gone would have been a good one. However, it didn't fail for the Cardinals tonight for the reason uh, that you might have expected uh, or that I might have expected when I was making the call that I was making. So we're going to get into all of that as well. I'm teasing a lot of information on today's podcast early, but I'm telling you, it's all going to be worth it because we've got a lot to get to from a 6-4 to four Cardinals loss at the hands of the Milwaukee Brewers Mentioned the start by Jack Flaherty, things going along well. Unfortunately, though, I only mentioned four runs for the Cardinals, and I told you about three of them within those first two innings. So after the starting pitching change, Freddie Peralta leaves the game to begin the third. You get a parade of quality relief pitchers for Milwaukee. That's one of the things that makes life so difficult against this team. Not only do they have that top-flight starting rotation, they also have a really quality bullpen and a deep bullpen, as they showed tonight. You get Hunter Strickland in there, Dylan Cousins, Brent Suter comes into the game, Sanchez, they got Daniel Norris now pitching out of their bullpen, Hader Williams coming on for the end of this game. That's a lot of innings. That's eight innings out of the Milwaukee Brewer bullpen. Only one run allowed, and it was unearned because it ended up being the free runner that the Cardinals got to begin the bottom of the 10th inning in extras. So they, they really didn't get anything pushed across against this bullpen that they actually had to earn on their own in its entirety. And that just continues to be a theme because, as we know, yeah, the Brewers have good pitching. Yeah, the Brewers are a good team. They're leading the NL Central for a reason, and we recognize that the Cardinals went on a nice run over the last week. But as is something that we're going to have to bring up throughout this podcast, 
there can be a difference, and it was demonstrated over the last couple of nights on the field at Bush Stadium, a difference between being able to go on a run against less quality opponents like the Pirates and the Royals, as the Cardinals did over the last 10 days or so prior to this series, and then what happens when you take on an actual contender, a team that could have World Series aspirations and is playing like that on the field on a nightly basis, the results are going to be different. You can't expect what worked against the Royals and Pirates to just automatically transfer over against more quality competition unless you raise the element of your game as well. And offensively, the Cardinals have simply not done that in the last two nights. And again, we can talk about the fact that their pitching is really good. We're going to do that. It's only sensible because it is. It's why they're a first-place team. But if you want to be able to hang with those kinds of teams, you have to do something to combat that. You cannot just tip your cap night after night. And Mike Schultz didn't tonight. He didn't say anything about tipping caps. He said we we didn't get enough done. Like what we saw at the beginning, got to the starter early. That's what you need to do. But after that, we just we didn't do anything. And that's a disappointment. And it should be a disappointment. The Cardinals had a few opportunities. Milwaukee bullpen didn't give up a ton of hits, just three hits in those eight innings. But they did have four walks. And so uh, there, there were sporadic base runners throughout this game. The Cardinals just could not muster anything, could not come up with that next big at-bat to be able to find some insurance runs. And yeah, Jack Flaherty's pissed at himself for giving up a couple of home runs tonight, but six innings, two runs, that's good enough. That, that has to be good enough. From your ace pitcher, coming back off of the injured list, continuing to pump out quality starts, you got to find a way to win that game. And whether you want to put the blame to the bullpen for blowing the game late, which we're going to talk about, or you want to put the blame to the offense for not adding on, I think the, the moral of the story is it is a combination of those factors. You can't put it on the shoulders of one unit every night and expect them to be able to carry the load. Cardinals have been asking a lot of the back end of their bullpen this season. For the most part, they've answered the bell. Of late, it's been a little bit more murky. Genesis Cabrera has looked really good, extending a scoreless inning streak over 13 now for him. Hasn't given up a run in over a month. An earned run, I should say. It had another good inning tonight, pitching the seventh. Getting into the eighth, Gallegos teetering would be a decent word that you could use, but he was able to get through it. Cold-blooded, I said he got the high strike call to get out of that eighth inning, but he did give up a hit and a walk to put himself in a little bit of danger. Had the tying run on second base, a go-ahead run was on base. Could have ended worse than it did, but Gallegos got out of it. He's still finding ways through uh, what I would uh, classify as a, a more difficult stretch for him in, in his season, but ERA is still at 3.12. Still on the whole has had a quality season for the Cardinals. Alex Ray is not an ideal situation tonight. He gives up the home run to Avisayo Garcia, hit near the foul pole down the left field line. Tyler O'Neill gave every possible inch and iota of effort that he had to trying to bring this ball back from becoming a home run ball. It just wasn't possible. I If, if that was possible to rob that home run, Tyler O'Neill would have done it. It just was not physically possible. That is what I maintain. I, I The effort he gave on that play was tremendous. It really did stick with me. And I tweeted about it as well at bshafer12 on Twitter. There's a nook there near the foul pole where this ball was just too deep. And he tried to climb the wall. He tried to position himself for the jump. He tried to get his torso over the wall as far as he could in order to reach across and try to grab this baseball. It just was not going to happen. It would have been single-handedly the greatest undoubtedly home run robbery that I would have ever witnessed if he were able to bring that ball back. He wasn't able to do so, and so that meant a tie game going into the bottom of the ninth. 
Josh Hader put the Cardinals' bats away in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, not really too much of a surprise there. And then you get into a situation, and, and really we should bring this up within the context of that bottom of the ninth because there were some extracurricular fireworks as well going on between the Cardinals and the umpires. And, and the other side didn't necessarily like the umpires either. They get Craig Council run from this game. Uh, Brewers lose a couple of pieces there in the 10th inning, arguing with balls and strikes. There was a lot going on in this game, but Nolan Arenado falls victim to a check swing call a couple of times tonight at the hands of first base umpire Alan Porter in the second time, which happened in the bottom of the seventh inning. And the first one was dreadful. The second one wasn't much better. I, I, I mentioned this as well on Twitter. I tweeted this out after the first one earlier in the game where I said, normally I just have to throw my hands up in the air on check swing stuff. I don't know. You know, if it looks close, I'm not one to really get all up in arms about umpire stuff. And there have been plenty of times this season where I've seen Twitter just exploding about umpire stuff. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. And sometimes I'm like, it bores me to tears. I don't care. But tonight, talking about that check swing, and the strike zone was bad as well. It was really bad. But the check swing, the first one in particular, was just pitiful. It wasn't even close. And as someone who self-professes that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to check swings, so normally I just keep my mouth shut. This time, I'm not keeping my mouth shut. That was terrible. Well, Nolan couldn't keep his mouth shut either. The difference is I'm not charged with going back to play third base in a one-run ball game in a race for what you consider to be a pennant race because the Cardinals do have aspirations, at least within that clubhouse, they did before the end of that game tonight, to mount back a charge against the Milwaukee Brewers and make a race of this division. And at the very least, they're in contention for a wild card. I'm not in that situation that Nolan Arenado is in where I've got to go play third base and maybe take another at-bat in this game. Well, that situation, uh, it arose on both counts because there was a, a play in this game where defensively, if you had Nolan Arenado there, it was going to go vastly different. I'm talking about the Christian Yelich bunt. Of course, at this point in time, the Cardinals already were trailing, but that ends up being a very important situation because if you can get Yelich there, you're only down by one run instead of three going into the bottom of the 10th. And so the fact that Yelich can lay down a bunt against Edmundo Sosa, who... I think is a tremendous defender, but where he was on the diamond, Yelich saw an opportunity to be able to steal a base hit and therefore a run because with two outs, there was a runner on third base and that tacked on another one for Milwaukee. It's a situation where I just don't see any way in the world that happens if Nolan Arenado is over there playing third base. He's as good as anyone coming in on those bunt situations. And quite frankly, I don't think Christian Yelich even tries it if Arenado's over there. So maybe you get Yelich, who was 0 for 4 coming into that plate appearance. You get him to make an out, and you know you're, you only end up trailing by the one run going into the bottom half where Yadier Molina ends up getting a base hit to score the ghost runner, and suddenly you're at 4, and maybe you're in a tied game situation. Now, the Arenado factor on defense was real. He also took a net bat, or he would have taken a net bat, I should say, in the ninth inning when it ended up being in Mundo Sosa, Tommy Edmond was hit by a pitch, and you had a chance. Yeah, maybe a slim chance because it was Josh Hader out there. But you had a chance to try to make something happen. Sosa put together a fine at-bat, lined out to right field. Uh, Arenado in that situation, though, was who you'd rather have. And Mike Schultz was asked about it. You know, in that situation, what do you make of Arenado getting thrown out of this game? And Schultz defended the player. He didn't really say, that can't happen. I'm going to tell you that can't happen. Arnado cannot put himself in that situation. If Mike Schultz got to put himself in that situation to get thrown out instead of his player, 
that's all well and good. It doesn't matter. He can do what he needs to do and manage from somewhere else or, or pass the reins, however it is they do it to Ali Marmol. Nolan cannot get run in that situation, and I understand his frustration because, like I said, it was the worst check swing call that I can remember. And I'm not somebody who talks about these calls. It was, it was absolutely dreadful. And then it happened again. And you, there was a gif. I know Cardinals gifs was all over it on Twitter where Nolan said, you know, you got me not once, twice. You got me multiple times tonight. And then he ended up having his way in between innings where he said, you know, he said his piece and he went out there and he, he got thrown out in between uh, the bottom of the seventh and the top of the eighth. Can't happen. Probably came back to haunt the Cardinals because of the way that game unfolded. But let's dive into it next. We're kind of jumping all around here just a little bit. But that situation with Christian Yelich, I tweeted this out. Coming into that situation, I said there's not a chance in the world that I would be pitching to Christian Yelich here because they had the pitcher spot occupied by Josh Hader on deck. And I think that's actually literally what I said. I find the tweet here. Cardinals are going to talk about it, I said, because they were having a meeting of the minds on the mound to discuss the situation. Alex Ray is still pitching. I said, but there is not a chance in the world I would be facing Christian Yelich here. Get Hater to the plate and ideally force him out of the game. That would be my thought process. They talk about it. Alex Reyes said afterwards there was no thought to intentionally passing Yelich. And here's something that the Cardinals were counting on that in that moment, maybe I wasn't counting on, but I, I view it from, listen, I know Josh Hader, if they want to bring him back out there for one more inning, they can decide to do that, and that's pretty much game if they decide to do that. And it was within the realm of possibility in my mind that they were going to take that approach. The Milwaukee Brewers were going to do that. Ultimately, I don't think in retrospect they were going to have Hader pitch the 10th. We are ne- we're never going to know. I think it would have been great to see if on that Yelich bunt, Edmundo Sosa gets it over there just a little bit quicker. They had a review on it. I actually thought on review that he looked out but I didn't get a chance to, to look at it too many times because next thing I know, I'm looking down to the field, they're signaling safe, and the game goes on. So I didn't get a chance to really revisit that. But if they're able to get that out and they're, they're trailing by just one run and the hater spot never comes up, would they have brought in Devin Williams the way they did in, in a three-run game or in a one-run game? Would they have said, nope, we're going to, to go out there and go for the win and use Josh Hader in this situation for two innings? Even though he did pitch the night before, he pitched on Tuesday and closed out that game. We're gonna we're gonna go with our guy right here and get this W. I would have been fascinated to see what they would have done because they had Jace Peterson in the on deck circle the entire time. Hater never picked up a bat. They didn't decoy. They didn't nothing. It was gonna be Peterson. I'm pretty convinced of that in retrospect, and Mike Schilt was convinced of it as well. People wanted the reporters to ask about why didn't you walk Yelich, and it was asked about. But Mike Schilt was pretty clear that Hader was not a factor for them at that point in time because he said his answer was, well, Jace Peterson has a good walk rate on deck, and so I didn't want to necessarily load the bases for Alex Reyes with a guy on deck with a good walk rate. But read between the lines, what he's really saying, Alex Reyes also has a high walk rate, and so matched up with a guy on deck as a pinch hitter who potentially could could take a few pitches and put Alex into a, a more stressful situation. They decided to, to take their shot at Yelich. The Cardinals had been able to get him out for the night, and so that was the moment that they wanted to take their shot. They weren't concerned about the idea that, oh, if Yelich, if, if Christian Yelich makes an out there, they're going to throw Josh Hader in the, in the bottom of the inning. 
that wasn't part of their thought process. And I think probably ultimately correctly so. Like as much as that was in in my thought process at the moment, like just guarantee that there's no way that Josh Hader can stay in this game because he's nasty. That, That would have been the way I would have gone. Ultimately, I don't think Hader was going to stay in this game. Now, that's just my opinion. You know, we didn't ask Craig Council. Maybe somebody did, but I wasn't part of that Zoom. So I don't know definitively. And even if you did ask him, hey, he got run from the game at some point. I don't even know if he was still there. I can't. It all kind of blended together. I can't remember exactly when he got thrown out, but it was pretty late in the process. But nevertheless, you've got that going on. And we'll never know if he would have told the truth anyway, even if we did get to ask him about it. You know, he could say, sure, yeah, we were going to do this or that. You never know. So you're in that moment and situation, uh, it could have gone any direction. And so the fact that the Cardinals do pitch to Yelich, they take their shot at the former MVP. I was thinking, yeah, he's 0 for 4. That's great. That is not part of my thought process. I'm thinking, load the bases, keep it simple, out in any bag, make them pinch it. Whoever it is is probably not going to be as impactful as a Christian Yelich. And you get a hater out of the game guaranteed. That was my thought process. Here's what's interesting. It's hard for me to take a victory lap here because Christian Yelich did not beat Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes beat Alex Reyes. Overcooked a changeup, spiked it. It goes to the backstop, run scores. Cardinals are now trailing in this game. Whole different ballgame, whole different situation. Did I agree with pitching to Yelich? I did not. I still would have gone a different direction. However, a bases loaded wild pitch, Still scores a run the same way it did with runners on second and third. Alex Reyes, you know, we're, we're into the situation talking about this team where Reyes has had more, more dust-ups lately. He's had more issues and blow-ups, whatever you want to call them, where he has not been able to execute the way he was earlier in the season. He had been dealing with danger pretty frequently in this season. He's got a high whip rate even before some of the, the recent struggles. That has been the case. And so... We've talked about it in a, in the previous game where, he, you know, all those walks happened. I don't know if that was against the Cubs. I believe that was a game I referred to earlier where you just you, you issue four walks at the end of a game and you lose it because all of those walks with the bases loaded. So you don't want to put Alex into a situa- situation with the bases loaded. I totally understand that because I was basically screaming that during the Cubs game that they walked all those guys. So I'm in tune with that and understanding of that explanation I know Twitter is going to have, you know, Mike Schild's head on a silver platter regardless. That's the way that these things go when when you lose a game like the Cardinals did tonight. But I do think that explanation, coupled with the fact that they weren't factoring in Hader because they figured Hader was done, and he probably was, I understand that that wasn't necessarily part of their thinking. And it was more about, hey, we don't need to unnecessarily load the bases for Reyes when the guy on deck has a, a, a propensity toward walking. And if he walks, that means we're trailing in this game. Ultimately, you can take it even further back to talk about Reyes' struggles. Like, he gives up the homer in the ninth. Okay, obviously, Garcia has kind of become the Aramis Ramirez. I I saw somebody put that on me to Twitter, and I kind of agree with that. He's just been kicking the Cardinals' ass. Seems like every time they play him, he does a great job. He homers again tonight. A couple of times, actually, uh, had two home runs in the game. Did obviously, Garcia. He's just an absolute menace, and he does it again to the Cardinals tonight. So, what are you going to do? But you get into the 10th inning, and Reyes is still back out there because I guess Mike Schultz like, well, who, who else am I going to pitch? You know, that's kind of the moral of the story because who else is he going to pitch? Could be Luis Garcia. Yeah, you've seen some good things from some other arms as of late. But in that situation, the Cardinals decided to go with their best. 
and they gave Reyes a chance to pitch the 10th, hey, he's a guy that we've talked about. He should pitch 100 innings this year so that he can be a starter next year. That was the thought process at one point in time. And so I'm not going to be able to deride Mike Schilt for bringing Reyes back out for a second inning. But the problem is he makes a throwing error, right? Like it just started to all come unraveled. Even before we get into all that Yelich business, he had the, the little squibber back to him that he sails the throw wide at first base. If you get that, it may be a whole different outcome to the inning. But you put yourself in a second and third spot that he nearly worked his way out of by getting a fly ball, and they weren't going to test Tyler O'Neill on that fly ball to shallow left field. There was, I mean, it was, would have been a dead duck, so smart to send him back to third, and Edmundo cuts the throw, and you got one out. And then I said, if ever Alex Reyes has needed a strikeout, it is right here. Because I started to see this coming up. I said, Yelich, you can just walk that guy. Who cares? Yeah, go for the pitch hitter, load the bases. Well, he got the K, but then it kind of fell apart thereafter. So Reyes still had things going for him tonight, but it was a, a rocky outing, obviously. And then once the, the wheels kind of came off with, with the bad the bad throw, that kind of started things. Uh, you know, I mean, the home run started things in the ninth. But the bad throw, the error that, that was charged against him there in the 10th, and then the wild pitch compounded by a bunt situation that comes thereafter that just would not have happened if Nolan were still in the game and not ejected. And that falls back again. Uh, it's just little things. And I talked about that. And I asked Mike Schultz about it as well. The idea that the margin is going to be so slim, especially when you face these brewers that have such good pitching and you don't take as much advantage of your opportunities offensively as you need to, that's when you know the margin for, for details are going to be, it's going to be so critical and the Cardinals just did not get it done on that front tonight. And again, baseball is a team sport. There are so many elements that go into a successful team. Mike Schultz talked about one of those elements being the middle part of the bullpen, a bullpen that can keep games close, that can allow teams to make comebacks. And the Brewers just demonstrated that tonight against the Cardinals on Wednesday because they had a bullpen that, yeah, it's not a great situation to lose your starter after two innings and to already be trailing 3-0. But the guys they brought in, they were able to keep things close, keep it basically right where it was. They didn't give up any runs. And that permitted the Brewers to have the time to work their way back into this game and ultimately notch a W that they basically steal away from the Cardinals. Cardinals should have won this game. Disappointing on a lot of levels. And when you get into those margins and you realize the details that matter so much, you don't execute them, not offensively, not defensively as the game went along. And then you could question, you know, the, the the execution of Nolan Arenado's ability to just go play third base and to not get himself into that situation with the umpire. You you know, you said your piece walking out of the batter's box and that was that was good and that was fine and understandable, but then I think that's where you gotta let well enough alone. Coming back out in between innings, I think, you know, when you when you have an umpire that has the power to run you at any given moment, if you're gonna continue to, to talk about something that happened in the previous inning you definitely run that risk, and Cardinals couldn't afford him to do that. And so that's just another part of, I, you know, talk about the details. I'm not going to question Nolan Arenado's character. I'm not going to question, you know, his passion, anything, his ability. He's incredible, right? It's just I think in that moment, you do have to step back and realize, I'm the most important person on this field. I'm the most important person on this team. I'm probably going to be playing a critical role defensively the next couple of innings when, when we have a one-run lead. And if not, I'm going to take another at-bat most likely later in this game, if we do end up trailing or, or Brewers end up tying the game as they did, I got to be there for that. And in that moment, I think, and we didn't hear from Nolan tonight. I think he was probably already gone having been ejected. He probably got out of there pretty quickly. 
so we didn't have a Zoom with him. But I would say, you know, he would he would be the first person to say that he's got to be able to manage the emotions a little bit more effectively in that situation because it does end up where you don't have your best player for those those situations in the eighth, ninth, and tenth where you never know how things could go differently from him getting a plate appearance in the ninth to him absolutely being on the field to to help command the defense there when things were unraveling in the 10th and in particular the bunt play where it's not like Sosa made a bad attempt on it. It's just that, you know, Yelich doesn't try it, first of all, if if Arenado's out there. Sosa was playing pretty deep in the hole. It was kind of a shifted infield sort of thing, and so Yelich took advantage. It just doesn't happen, though, if Nolan's out there. He makes a jump throw. He does something remarkable that only he can do, and I think the Cardinals end up being in a different situation there. So that goes into what I'm talking about with the details uh, and, you know, they just didn't do enough of those details tonight. Mike Schilt admitted as much, and that's why they lost the game. But let's get into a little bit of the element that doesn't apply specifically to the way the Cardinals lost this game or why they lost or the, the game itself, but the atmosphere in which this game was played. Because I talked about this on B-Shape Daily before Tuesday's game, which was Adam Wainwright, Corbin Burns. I thought it was going to be a great pitching matchup, and it was. I thought it was going to be just a, a smashing success of the Cardinals are finally playing good baseball. They won six in a row coming into this homestand. You get good pitching matchups. You're playing the first place team. This is going to be a crowd. They're going to get 35,000. I don't know, maybe 40,000. Like it could happen. It's happened a couple of times on the weekends this season. I thought, well, maybe because it's not a weekend, that's going to prohibit the real giant crowd. But I thought it was going to be a raucous crowd. I thought 35,000 plus for sure at least was going to be announced that way. It wasn't that way at all. 28K is what they announced on, on Tuesday, and it wasn't 28K. I was there. I'm telling you, it was not even close. And tonight it was demonstrably worse. For Jack Flaherty, the first time that he pitched at Bush in three months, you go from May 19th to August 18th. Those are the, the dates. That's the numbers. That's three months. Probably then would have had some expectation that there would have been similar livelihood to the crowd as there was earlier in the season, which attendance all year hasn't been tremendous. But of course, the Cardinals did open things up eventually. And that's something I'd have to go back and look. Was was that not until June when they opened things up? So Jack Flaherty really never did pitch in front of a full Bush Stadium capacity crowd this season because it was all limited attendance before he went down. I got to go check on that. Yes, that was the case as the Cardinals did not resume full capacity at Bush Stadium until mid-June and Jack Flaherty hadn't pitched there since mid-May. So that's the way it broke down. I got to say, in between about a sentence 15 seconds ago and the one I'm speaking now, I had the biggest meltdown with my laptop. I'm getting a new laptop. It has to be done on Thursday because this has been a nightmare. It's about 4 a.m. as I'm finishing recording. I cannot even begin to express how much I appreciate you all for sticking with the show tonight, tonight of all nights especially, because knowing all the storylines that were emerging from this game, I knew I couldn't just blow off the podcast tonight, but it meant multiple hours and probably a 5 a.m. bedtime for me this evening to be able to to get it out for y'all. So thank you for sticking with this. Hopefully no issues from here on out. If it's a little clunky with the audio, and it probably has been at times because I've lost this file and regained it more times than I can count. And so if there were some inconsistencies tonight, I really do apologize. I haven't worked this hard for anything I don't get paid for in my entire life. So thank you guys for sticking with me. 
I wanted to get to the Jack Flaherty audio because they didn't play it in full on Bally, and they played most of it. The first question of the Zoom, I ended up asking it. I'll explain a little bit of why that was after we play just a short clip from Jack Flaherty answering the first question of the evening. You'll hear my question as well, which you didn't hear on Bally Sports either. And so I just wanted to provide that to give full context, and then I'll break it down a little bit as we'll wrap up the podcast this evening. So here I was leading things off tonight for the Jack Flaherty Zoom, which ended up being a little more interesting right off the bat than I had anticipated. Jack, it had been a while since you pitched in this ballpark. How did it feel tonight to get back in front of the home crowd and be able to kind of make that next step in your progression and your return? It was whatever. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was good to pitch for this team. Oh, I mean, you know, throughout the game, you see how full it is. So that's that. But it was it's good to pitch for this team, no matter where it is. There you have it from Jack Flaherty. I'm sorry, but it's it, he kind of had that look on his face too, where he's just like, I don't know what else to say, man. Like you were here, you saw the crowd. There wasn't one, and so that's kind of the way I took it. And a lot of people were sending me messages wondering what Jack exactly meant by that. There maybe I don't know if my question adds any additional context, but he basically says, you know, if you're at the game. You, you saw how full it is, and I think that kind of confused people because really what he meant is how empty it was. Listen, if there were more than 12,000 people in, in the stands tonight, that would be a surprise to me. I know they announced double that. I know in the press box there we don't have a great vantage point of being able to see directly below us and, and above us perhaps behind home plate, which is probably some of the more populated areas of the ballpark, but... It, it was sparse, and it was sparse on Tuesday, and I was surprised both, you know, I was surprised Tuesday, and then coming into tonight, I knew a little bit more what to expect. Like, oh, no, there was not going to be a renaissance to the, to the attendance and to the crowd, and so I guess this is just the way it is. But if you're Jack Flaherty, man, you're coming back from a situation where you, you, t- you, you strain your oblique, you're out for multiple months, Cardinals have had their issues, certainly, in his absence. Part of the reasoning, because he wasn't there, because the, the especially back in June, you think about how, how troublesome the rotation was without him. That led to kind of the, the first spiral the Cardinals underwent, and it took him a long time to climb back out of that. But then over this past series, or I should say this past week to 10 days, they do that by beating up on some lesser competition, sure, but in turn it allowed them to climb back to 500 and then beyond that when they get five games above heading into this Brewers series. Now they're three games above after two more losses, but you're in that spot and you're Jack Flaherty. You know, is is he mad at the lack of fans? Honestly, trying to diagnose exactly where his ire was directed that's not a game for me to play, but I do think there's no hiding the displeasure, right? Like, there wasn't like he was thrilled. You could tell that much in, in the tone of his voice. But again, from his perspective, he's been out. He's back here for the first time. And I think, you know, this was unequivocally the worst crowd I've seen of the season. And we were people debating, was it, you know, is this like a Pirates crowd or a Reds crowd? Think about other stadiums. And, and we've seen the Cardinals play in places that were half empty or worse over the years. Uh, but this was its own own breed of, you know, something that I think the Cardinals should be disappointed in. Now, you know, there's a lot of reasons. Is Jack blaming the fan base, you know, for that? Is he blaming the team, the front office? 
Is it as simple as chalking it up to COVID? I know that's a popular response I got tonight. Uh, you know, I'm not at liberty to speak for Jack Flaherty or what his belief on, on why or, or what he thought of it beyond what he said, but it's clear that he noticed it. I mean, you could tell that much. And the question, I wanted to get into a little bit inside baseball, but the question was pretty like it was cookie cutter. You know, it was one of those situations where, and this happens on the Zoom world sometimes, they'll have us raise our hands and sometimes not everybody's technology's working right away and they don't hear and so they can't get their hand raised. And I, it was a situation where my laptop was working. I saw it and I thought, well, somebody's got to be first and so it might as well be me today. And so I raised my hand, get called on and asked the first question. But for the first question, you just kind of get the ball rolling a little bit. So you heard the question that was kind of what I intended for it to be. And then I asked him further about how he, you know, felt his performance went and other questions there followed from other media members. And so that's kind of the way it goes. But there I am thinking pretty standard leadoff question here. And then he begins to answer it. And I'm thinking, "Uh oh, what did I do? (laughs) But, you know, clearly you look at Jack Flaherty's perspective, I think, on this situation. And you realize that, okay, again, three months since he's pitched here. And so you might be viewing Wednesday as kind of a welcome back situation for Jack Flaherty. And then you you get there and you see the crowd and you're probably thinking, what the hell's going on here? And I think he knows where the Cardinals are in the standings. Like, that's not lost on the players. But you look at their recent stretch heading into this series, eight of nine wins, six in a row, climbing back into the wild card standings. I don't know that it would have been surprising to learn that the guy expected a little more enthusiasm. Now, You've got to hear me say this. That's not me shaming Cardinals fans. I'm simply evaluating what I'm seeing, what I hear from Jack tonight. And again, I cannot climb into his head. But on a cookie-cutter question about being back pitching at home after three months would normally yield a cookie-cutter response. And again, not saying we're lobbing up softballs here, but that's you know the questions are going to get a little meatier as the interview goes. Meteor, not meteor. But that was meant as like a let's settle into the Zoom question. And I think given the state of things, he definitely took that in another direction. It's just pretty striking to think about you ask that same question on April 8th, whether it's of, you know, Jack Flaherty or Nolan Arenado or Adam Wainwright. And then you compare it to what happened tonight, a totally different context because of the way that things are unfolding. You know, early in the season when we talked so much to Arenado about the fans in St. Louis, it was, you know, what about this atmosphere in this environment? And it was all positive and glowing and tonight it really wasn't you know again I'm not trying to to rip Cardinals fans here but it's just the reality and then we can talk about why that is and I think you know a lot of people hit the nail on the head when they talked about look this is just a reflection while the COVID is part of it and back to school is part of it etc cetera, etc cetera. I think it, it boils down at the end of the day to a reflection of the way fans feel right now about this this team and the state of the organization there's some apathy going on here because the Cardinals have not lived up to, to expectations. They have not put a product on the field that is contending currently for the division. And yes, even though they did win a bunch of games last week and that brought them within the striking distance of the Padres and talking about the wild card, I don't know that maybe fans kind of view that as a lipstick on a pig kind of situation to be a little crass. I think, yeah, people are saying, look, I, I like that they're winning games against bad competition. That's great. But that doesn't necessarily fix or change what we have perceived and saw about this team leading up to this week. And now you come into the Brewers, and it was almost kind of like maybe a prove-it series for some Cardinals fans. And so far, the Cardinals have not been able to prove disprove, I should say, the notion that 
you know, this this team is still kind of mired in that mediocre middle. Uh, they're trying to claw their way out of it, and they had opportunities over the last two nights to be able to do it. They just couldn't come up with it. So that's where the Cardinals stand right now. They're they're you know at risk of fading back out of the the wild card picture. Certainly, they're out of the division picture as of right now, especially if they lose on Thursday. John Lester will be starting that game. You can't get swept by the Brewers, be ten back, and then be come thirteen back and hope that you still no. That's not. We're not going to have any serious conversations about the division anymore. Uh, without a win tomorrow and really at that point even it gets still pretty bleak the road that you would have to climb to to be able to get there but the wild card the Padres keep losing the Reds are somehow losing to the Cubs this week so it's not impossible that the Cardinals would make their way back out of that situation especially given that you you still play the darn Pirates six more times and you get the, uh, the Cubs seven times so I don't know we'll see but that's kind of a wrap on everything I wanted to discuss from tonight I hope the Jack Flaherty situation, you at least got a little bit of uh, more insight, more context to what all took place with that. Uh, appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to Be Shaped Daily. This was a doozy of an episode to put together. I hope the audio is decent enough. I'm not going to be able to quality, quality control test it the way I normally do with some editing because it's 4 a.m. and I just can't do it. So sorry about that. Uh, we're going to have a new laptop, and pretty soon, hopefully, that means higher production quality to the show. So I would recommend getting out in front of that, the situation, the opportunity that's coming for B-Shape Daily with better better sound quality and the like. Subscribe to the show. Head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow or subscribe B-Shape Daily. Leave a review as well. I like to see those Apple Podcast reviews rising up, especially when they're nice reviews. It's nice if you're nice, but... Uh, it's cool. Every once in a while, I see a few new reviews pop in, and so that makes me feel good. So appreciate you all for sticking with me. That's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. It was a long show. There's a lot to get to. It was a trying experience for me to put together. But I love that we got it finished, and now we'll get it out to you all. So thank you once again. Stay tuned. We'll be back again following the game on Thursday. John Lester taking on Brandon Woodruff, another tough pitching matchup for the Cardinals. We'll see how they fare and whether they can avoid the sweep. Talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!